As a person ages, their needs change. They require different healthcare, new opportunities for socialization, altered living accommodations. Over the coming years, young grads might find new and plentiful work opportunities in these exact areas. Because our country is getting older. As of 2021, one in five Canadians were 65 or older, and the number of persons over 85 has doubled within 20 years. Today, we're listening in on a conversation between two alumni who know a lot about working with seniors. Tiffany Marias is a therapeutic recreation grad who has worked in senior living for 12 years. And Rebecca Churchyard, a grad in social development studies, works in home and community care support services. She's also the founder of Social Enterprise Green Care Farms, a program for people with dementia. Tiffany and Rebecca discuss how they ended up in this field, the challenges that come with it, and why they love working with seniors. Keep listening. Okay. Hey, Rebecca. Hi, Tiffany. Nice to to chat with you again. Nice to see you. Nice to to see you as well. Uh, So I guess... uh, I just, I don't know if I really got a little bit more about you when we first chatted about how you ended up in senior care. Yeah, so I'm a social worker by education and by training, and I specialized in gerontology in school and have always specialized in gerontology or older people. I think I've kind of been destined for seniors care since the very beginning. When I was even a child, I would go home from church with older folks in our church. Um, and I've always just kind of felt drawn towards older people and been called an old soul many, many times, for sure. I volunteered when I was a teenager in a few different day programs, kind of playing cards with people, doing some visiting services. Then I got some part-time jobs throughout university in long-term care, retirement homes, those sorts of roles. Um, We had the opportunity to specialize in our programs. So in my first degree in social development studies at Renison, I chose to specialize in gerontology and psychology. Then I did a BSW, Bachelor of Social Work. And then in my master's, I pursued the specialization of gerontology. So I've kind of, I've always liked older people. That's just, they're my people. They're so smart and funny and just real. Lots of real, real Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What what about you? What was your journey like to seniors care? So I... I can't say I always wanted to work with seniors more because I don't think I actually realized the field was there. And I was like gung-ho on helping children or people with uh, various needs or even working with athletes. And so I actually took the therapeutic and business double degree and did, I don't even know what I was going into, to be quite honest with you. I just made it work and I loved it. And I finished and I graduated and I feel like most people who are kind of like, what do I do now? I was in that little stunned phase and I fell upon working in long-term care. And I was like, oh, let's try this out. I have a great grandma, I have a grandma and grandpa. It would be like hanging out with them, but with a lot more of them. And that was 12 years ago. And I've progressively moved from long-term care, assisted living to now retirement. And the funny part is I am also old soul. My family constantly tells me that we could be anywhere in the world and I will instantly make a friend with the senior, whether it be to start up a conversation or help them carry a bag or whatever it might be. So I definitely connect with them quite well as well. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I forgot to mention that, but my grandparents, I was also very close to my grandparents. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so much of uh, my motivation or my feeling, I guess, sense of duty in a way too, came from my Mm -hmm. relationships with my grandparents. So they lived on a farm and my grandpa was diagnosed with dementia quite young. So it was really interesting to go to school and learn about kind of how the system, healthcare and social care, um, how they support somebody with dementia in the care partner, who's my grandma. And they lived, yeah, just them on a farm in a rural setting. So my grandma and I would email like almost every day about all kinds of stuff, but certainly what was going on with my grandpa. And she had questions about things that I was learning, things like that. So the close relationship with them really, I think, motivated me as well to want to put my professional energy there. Absolutely. I think you find that a lot in the industry is, but what you find actually both parts, you have the ones that have the close relationship that totally get it and want others to have that relationship, or you have the ones that didn't unfortunately have that relationship and have got into it because they had this need that they never actually realized they were missing and then really connect with uh, older people. Actually, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I, um, before this role that I'm in now, I used to manage an interagency friendly visiting service like in, in mm-hmm. downtown Toronto. And that's probably the number one reason that we had volunteers come to the program to volunteer is because they didn't have the connectivity with their grandparent that they wished they'd had. So mm-hmm. they were looking for it kind of in that volunteer space. So that was really neat. That is neat. Uh, so tell me, you work with seniors. What do you love about it or what's your favorite part about it? Hmm. I think my favorite part at this stage in my career, I think in the earlier days, I had a lot of satisfaction of doing, you know, good assessments, <laughs> those sorts of things, like having good clinical acumen and saying things that made sense and having the right sort of charting or scores that would resonate with what they need or what a system thinks they need. I think now at this stage in my work, what I really like is being able to have a respectful engagement with the person across from me that hopefully meets needs and wishes that they have, which is, which is super important to me and to be able to discern, um, between what others think that they might need and what they want for themselves. And that's like, I mean, it's a fundamental point of social work, right? Is to respond to that individual's expressed needs and figure out how you can support them and achieving those aims. So I like that I can have a respectful engagement with somebody and that I can share information, even if it's information they don't necessarily want to hear in a way that is kind and consistent and informed. That's what I like the best, that relational piece. What about you? Remind Remind me what you do. That you do all of this for. Uh-huh, yeah. So I work um, for a level of provincial government where I do in-home assessments for older adults usually who live in kind of a, a triangle of concerns. Polypharmacy that is prescribed with a number of different medications, um, cognitive impairment and mood disorder or mental illness, a history or a newer onset. So a lot of the people that I, I see, they have a lot of pretty serious issues and the acuity, which means like how sick they are right now today, how acute versus chronic the illness is, is usually pretty significant. So a lot of the times they're quite stressed and family members are stressed and there's a lot of confusing things happening with brain changes and their behavior. And Mm -hmm. so that's why I like being able to respect them and still share information (laughs) that hopefully they need. (laughs) But yeah, tell me more about yours and then yeah, what you like about it. 
So I, as I mentioned, I started in long-term care. I was, as they call it, a recreation assistant. I think a recreation role has about 18 different names in our industry. So I went from being a recreation assistant to recreation manager in assisted care. And now I work in retirement independent living as a living well manager. So all the same role, just like I said, there's so many different names for it across the board. And I essentially plan our residents monthly calendar, their day-to-day activities, fitness, excursions, events. And honestly, I, I absolutely love it, but I think it goes down to why I enjoy working with seniors or just being with them is they get a very, we've had since we've been younger, this misconception of what a senior is. Like they use a walker, they use a cane, they have to have white hair. They, I don't know, wear really big baggy clothes. And I mean, my seniors are sometimes a lot more, most of the time more fashionable than I am, right? It doesn't, their hair may or may not be white, but they are just cool. Like I have the whole slew of them currently that have like this purple shade in their hair because it's super trendy. And uh, honestly, they are just like you and I, they just have a lot more years of experience than us and could tell us how to run the show type thing. And that's what I love. You are chatting with them. You're laughing with them. Um, I mean, they'll make crude jokes with you. Like it's just like talking to your friends if you were to close your eyes. And they, like I said, they have a lot more years, generation and experience on us and you can learn so much from them. And so for me, it's more of like a passion of, I really just enjoy what I do because of what I get from this. And yeah, that kind of why I'm still here and I love it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more about the wisdom. Like there's so many, I mean, one of the things that they teach you in life course theory, right, in gerontology is the timing and sequence of events. So Mm -hmm. as any of us age, we're trying to figure out, okay, this thing happened to me at this point in my life. What does that mean? And usually we're so busy experiencing it and living our lives, we don't have a lot of opportunity to reflect. But I think older adults have that special kind of characteristic that the wisdom that comes with that time and then they feel, in my experience, that they need to share it with you. Like, this is what I learned or, you know, parenting tips or, yeah, fashion tips. What's classic versus trend? Like, it's... (laughs) There's all kinds of those different pieces. I couldn't agree with you more that they're just as diverse, um, funny, smart, observant as any sort of age. And I think one thing that really stuck with me is the definition of ageism, which is discrimination based on age, whether that's too young or too old. So the assumption that someone can't or can do something because of their age. As a burgeoning professional in gerontology, understanding that really helped me because it's like you know when you're starting out for my for me for my experience I thought I was so young how am I going to do this with these these people who've got 60 70 years on me they're not going to take me seriously and then when I learned kind of the definition of ageism that helped me a lot where it's Mm -hmm. discrimination based on age either way so I respect you they respect me that sort of thing you just treat them like a person you don't treat them like a child you don't treat them like they're, they are respected. And it's funny you say that because the often here things go misplaced and it's like, oh, you don't want to get to my age. And I go, I misplace things all the time. Have you never watched me walk down the hall, stop in my footsteps and be like, what did I come here for? I go, it has nothing to do with your age. It's just what's on your mind. And it, yeah, ageism is totally a misconception that I, people don't actually understand what it actually is. So I'm glad you kind of highlighted that. Totally. And I think 
you know, something that that made me think of is that there are so many transitions that are stressful, which can kind of stimulate a chaos, which would cause anybody to forget things, right? So I was just thinking about how how stressful it is when you first kind of move out of your parents' home and you go off to school and you're figuring out where am I going to live? Who's going to take, where am I going to buy my groceries? How am I going to get to appointments? Those are actually really similar issues to yeah. what a person might think about later in life when they're thinking about maybe downsizing or changing mm-hmm. their living environment. Or they can't drive their car anymore or absolutely. I totally get that or see that constantly. So I think that's kind of, that definitely brings us to something that we were going to touch on as well as what are some of the challenges in our sector. And I think for sure, witnessing, bearing witness to what we call the cumulative loss. So you probably came across this as well in your studies, but that is when you have multiple different types of loss as an older person often. So changes in healthcare, your social situation. So if your friends or family pass away as you get older, um, changes in your ability to do things or kind of the same level of social value. So identity at work, things like that. I think that is it can be very, um, what's the right word, rewarding for someone to reflect back on their life and their accomplishments and their achievements. But it is a little sad too sometimes for people and it's it's hard to observe that, to bear witness to that with people sometimes. Absolutely. it's uh, And this goes back to that whole wisdom piece. Like, what do you say to someone that just recently lost their, their spouse or their child or they've probably been through this so many times and all you can do is really console and and comfort, but you're not there to provide anything really more. And it's sometimes tough because you want to do everything you can to make them feel better. So I can definitely, that's definitely a challenge I uh, have seen quite often. I think another challenge like in the field and the working aspect of it, I mean, especially in retirement, actually, let's just go with the senior living industry entirely, Uh, especially after the pandemic, we are seeing loss in numbers of employees or a competitive, do I work here or there? And unfortunately, and this is a systemic issue along healthcare, is it's not really a big paycheck that you get when working, especially on the front lines. And I think at one point, working with seniors and the passion you get from your day-to-day or just the enthusiasm you get from the day-to-day, unfortunately, isn't outweighing the amount of work that you're doing in these buildings uh, with masks and you're testing every day just to keep yourself, your family and our residents or staff safe. And I think that's kind of one of the challenges we're currently seeing like to this day. And I, I'm not sure how it's going to change, but also there are a lot of special people out there that will kind of deal with that challenge because at the end of the day, they get to go home and they get some contentness and they feel good about what they did for the day. And for them, that happiness kind of balances out that paycheck in a sense. I mean, it, you need what you need, but it balances it out to make your personal stress level lower, which can help a lot of people mentally. So, Definitely. And there's a very, like I remember thinking earlier when I was starting my career, starting to think about where I was going to go to school. Well, that's so sad because a lot of older people, they, they die. And I thought, oh, that's so sad. And it's, it's an extremely natural thing. 
as natural as birth is, so is then death, right? Like that is sort of what that means. And I found a lot of the courses around um, death and dying, grief and loss, palliative care. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most rewarding things you can have as a professional in the in the sector is bearing witness to someone as they're living some of their last days and having those conversations about, you know, what, what were the nuggets for you? What were the things that you're just like, man, life is really worth living. The things that bring them joy until their last day. It really is a extraordinary honor to be with someone when they're in that stage. Right. And they, most of my patients, my clients, they feel peace with that. And mm -hmm. to, the more conversations we facilitate around that level of satisfaction for them, mm -hmm. it, it's a really nice, special place. It's not all bad. It actually no. resolves something, I think, in me, certainly. I think it actually puts life into perspective a little. So in my first job, I was, what, maybe like 23, 24. And I was with a couple in long-term care who lived together. They were celebrating, oh my gosh, it must have been like their 65th or 67th anniversary together. And I like, I was so excited for them. But then I did some math and I was like, okay, for anybody my age to be married 67 years, they would need to like get married today and have to live till at least 100 to be able to reach that milestone. And we see some milestones with seniors that I think a lot of people could never imagine. And I mean, I've had 100 year old residents go to Leaf Games perpetually for like five years. And it's what we see is like no other. I mean, it's probably like people that see babies being born and such like you were mentioning. It is the complete other end of that spectrum, which is amazing. But like you said, it doesn't not come with its challenges. And Sometimes the journey to that moment, as I'm sure you see a bit more often than I do, can be very emotionally draining and exhausting for families or care providers. Yeah, it can. There's a lot of acceptance, acceptance, like an ongoing basis of of constantly like what what am I facing today? Just living for the day, being present for the day, never knowing what's going to happen next. I think one of the interesting reflections I had to, um, in my journey, I guess, to seniors care, because I'm a rather pragmatic person. So I love people. I'm heart focused and very, I hope, emotionally intuitive, those sorts of things. But I think one of the more pragmatic things was when thinking about what a good career is to join, what kind of sectors are going to be growing or booming, what type of industry is going to have good traction for a career. Some roles certainly don't pay a lot, but there's a lot of opportunity for growth when it comes to seniors care. People are living longer than they ever have before, long oh. past 100, right? And still doing all kinds of things. So longevity is increasing. Our aging population is growing. Folks who enter senior care will have a job for a very long time should they choose to stay in that sector. I don't know what, what your thoughts are on kind of that point or. No, you're absolutely right. So during the pandemic, while everybody was working from home or unfortunately getting laid off, I went into work for 365 days of the year because we couldn't just leave all our seniors here and work from home. So uh, it definitely is growing. It's still growing. We haven't even touched the boomers. Uh, and there is definitely a lot to say from and I honestly like you had ageism I had flow uh that always stuck in my mind so everything in life I do has to have some flow challenge got to meet like enjoyment and I think that's where senior living for me at least fits in so there is a lot 
of flow because I have this balanced lifestyle that I would have never learned about if I wasn't. That's like legit. <laughs> I, can, I can relate to that though. Cause a lot of the times, like when you're having those supportive conversations with someone, right. They're helpful for me. Cause yeah. I'm like, what are you doing to take care of yourself? Will be a little self-compassionate with that. And then of course, as you say that, like if, if you're not um, walking the walk, whatever the expression is, yes. no one's going to believe you. And Absolutely. older people see right through that in a heartbeat. They're like, okay, oh, lady, you're full of crap. You're full of baloney. It's like, oh, well, got to practice what I preach. Absolutely. Well, the joke around here is that I put fitness on the calendar every day. And I'm like, I wouldn't get up at 10 o'clock to do fitness when I'm your age, let alone now. So I go, if you don't want to show up, don't. Like, I'm not here to force you to do it. But no, I completely, I hear that. So, And it's such important work. I, I have so many clients in retirement living who their lives are mostly that schedule. Like they mm-hmm. really do center most of their days and a lot of their fulfillment and their friendships and relationships around what's going on in the community. So they really do follow that calendar very closely. It's on their table. Almost all of them is on their table, on their wall. Yeah. Absolutely. It's important. So I know we both have a bit of a business background. You want to share? Sure. Yeah. I can. Yes. So I do have a company, Green Care Farms, and that is a social enterprise, which provides an operational day program for people with dementia on a farm. And there are thousands of this type of care model across Europe, particularly in the Netherlands. When my grandpa was going through his journey, um, we were trying to find appropriate programs for him and really struggled to find something that was nature-based, focused on outdoor engagement, because he was an outdoors person, like Mm -hmm. very much dedicated to nature and being outside. And he didn't really like a lot of the indoor programs. So when I learned about this care model, I thought, how can I make this happen in Canada? And the most effective way so far, I think, has been to start a business. So we had our first year of operation this summer. Uh, obviously, as a social worker, they don't, I mean, it's probably my number one gripe with social work is why don't you have accounting classes? We need a finance class. Like I remember so many social workers are, I'm in social work, I don't do math. Guess what? You probably will need to do math in some way, shape or form if you are in social work, whether that's budgeting or having financial discussions with people, whatever. So or just your personal budgeting as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, good luck in life if you don't budget. <laughs> like, you need to at least have some wherewithal of what's going in, what's going out, right? Yeah. And yeah. Um, so what I did to kind of build up some business acumen, because I really didn't have a lot of that for my degree, although funny, I don't I didn't mention this before. I started out in a dual major okay. in a business and social work program. Okay. I took microeconomics, was terrified. So dropped it, dropped it, dropped the double major and then came full circle after school. I wish I'd just stuck it out for sure. I wish I'd stuck it out. I didn't. So then I took um, a few, I took project management uh, professional training. So I took three courses before I wrote my project management professional designation. And that kind of gave me enough business acumen to, to start the business. But what about yours? So I... Like I said, it started with the double major. I did stick out microeconomics. Um, actually, I might have taken macro. We had the choice. But <laughs> well done. <laughs> it my last course in summer school. Uh, but it was it was good. And I, I finished with a double degree. So business and therapeutic uh, recreation. And to be quite honest, it, 
that business portion absolutely gave you a different outlook on your day-to-day job. So yes, you're completely focused on your residents or your clients or whoever you're dealing with, but you also could see the business aspect of it and how your actions can actually impact the business as a whole. I mean, to some people, it's not interesting. To me, that was completely interesting because my family had a small business as well that I helped out with. So it gave me a look on the other side. Uh, I actually just finished and I graduated in July, this past July, uh, from MBA. So I used COVID and all the downtime to kind of create a higher education opportunity. So with that, I'm not really sure what's happening next. I always have a nice business idea in the back of my mind. And like I said, I, I do really enjoy what I do. So who knows? I'll kind of stay here and do something else on the side. I'm Really, I have no clue at the moment. But I think that's where everybody is when they graduate from any program, undergrad, high school, higher education. It's what, what am I doing next? Like, I did this. This is great. But you always have that question of, OK, what's next? Where are we going next? And I think I've come to the terms that that's quite normal and it's, it's OK. So. Oh, it's it's not normal to think you have everything figured out and then you're immediately setting yourself up for disappointment mm-hmm. when things don't go the way you thought it was going to or when you have expectations that exceed what's realistic or possible. And COVID's a great example for how that kind of threw everybody for a, a huge loop that way. Yeah. I like, similar to kind of the, the comments that you're making about the flow, right? I like that there's a balance between active and passive effort. And it always makes me think about that gerontological life course theory as well. Because a lot of the timing and sequence of events in your life are wildly out of your control. Like hugely. Yeah. You get hit by a bus. You have no control over that, really. I mean, you can look Mm -hmm. both ways. But if something happens, if someone, if there's a healthcare event or emergency in your personal family or for yourself, there's all kinds of stuff that are hugely out of your control. So one of the things I like to think about, it's good to have dreams, good to have goals, aspirations, professional development pursuits, but there's a balance between active effort, which is where, you know, you're diligently completing those applications and submitting them and signing up for things and doing the homework. And then there's passive effort, which is sort of a quieter space in between all of those milestones, which allows Mm -hmm. for relationships to develop or opportunities to present themselves allows for some personal sanity so that you have enough energy to respond to all those achievements someone's going for. So it reminds me of that too. No, you're absolutely right because sometimes you work, 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 but you're missing out on a few little things in your peripherals. So you got to at least keep those peripherals open and yeah, and go from there. And I mean, way back as a young university student, I didn't really understand the healthcare industry, really. I, I did placements in high school. There was nurses, there was doctors, there was a bunch of other technicians and places, but rec therapy, uh, social work, working with seniors was never on my radar. And in some ways I was kind of like, I wish someone was out there and just giving me the lists of thousands of jobs that I could possibly do because you don't think of healthcare or senior living and think, beyond very much of the regular, typical medical terms or positions that are just roll off our tongue. Yeah. I mean, age is not a disease in itself, which is where Mm -hmm. I think we went wrong, you know, 40 odd years ago or so, where we had the capacity to do that as well. 
this person's got all these chronic health care issues. It's age-related. Aging is not a disease. I mean, that that's somewhat contentious in some circles, but from my perspective, it's a natural mm-hmm. process, at least at this stage. Totally the same as you. In school, I'm like, I don't know kind of what, how uh, all-encompassing or how widespread is this sort of seniors care. It's so like, nebulous. There are, I learned so much, I'm sure you did too, the different levels of government, municipal, provincial, federal, they all have their own responsibilities. Um, I was on a call the other day that kind of identified that one of the difficulties right now when it comes to streaming funding at a provincial level is that we don't have a arm, a healthcare arm that encompasses seniors. Mm -hmm. So they're very much focused on the body parts. So you have like arm specialty, leg specialty, head specialty. You don't have a seniors care stream in itself, which makes it difficult to focus on that as a social and healthcare issue. I think the other thing that when I first started kind of getting interested in civic engagement, so government, what does government do at different levels? Mm-hmm. It does different things for seniors at all different levels. So you've got different designations for financial options, pensions, related things like that for seniors. You also have different options for healthcare, like depending on their issue and housing. So all of like the big things are spread for all of us. But I think especially for seniors, it can be hard to navigate those things. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm currently having an issue just transportation. So, I mean, housing, huge issue. Uh, just understanding the senior living industry. And I, I hate to go back to COVID again, but I didn't actually realize how different parts of each government reflect back on us and how some will say one thing, but this part can say another and one doesn't talk to the other. And so it's, it's a huge minefield to kind of understand and have kind of a really fantastic advocate for all of us at the top. So maybe they'll take one of us one day, Rebecca. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes me think too about the, so when people like, I, I'm sure you read these articles, I do as well, because they're interesting to our sector, right? Future innovations in, in aging or what's, what's coming up next for seniors care, things like that. Everyone is very excited about digital services, mm-hmm. apps, devices, online healthcare, virtual care platforms, you name it. I am interested to see how this goes, I think. I think there's a real, like, this course on my mind is, well, what, you know, someone's looking at a career now, what might they select? I think there's a real opportunity for kind of some hybrid with business, UX and UI, so user interface and design kind of professionals, as well as people who have some computer acumen paired with seniors care acumen. That's Mm kind of one of the future trends. I don't know if you have thoughts on that or kind of where you think careers might change actually in the next little while i definitely think they will actually that's something i have brewing in my head currently uh but you see right now because seniors are aging and they're they're living much longer you have about 20 to 30 years of seniors that are either completely embracing technology like i have people walking around here with their eye watches and their fitbits and just using them regularly, probably more than I do. And then you have the other extreme, which is like, Tiffany, can't we just do this on paper and pen? Like, why do we need to use a virtual presentation or sign up on an iPad? And I go, well, I'll help. But you definitely um, are seeing this gap slowly and crunch in from a technology-driven 
older adults that is just entering the industry. So, I, which I, I mean, it, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it is going to change. Absolutely. It's just how well it's adapted by the older seniors as well. Well, and that's where I really can appreciate the wisdom and also the the ability to choose, the ability Mm -hmm. to choose something that either they like or they don't like. I mean, that's why starting the farm was so important to me, because a lot of people, older adults who really used to thrive in an outdoor-based environment or who love gardening, who love being outside, who love touching things with their fingers, like Mm -hmm. anybody does, especially earthy green things, right? It's such a soothing place, so good for our mental health. A lot of folks did not have access to that anymore. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the interventions planned for them sometimes digital, are not necessarily what meets their needs. And I found that to be quite sad. So yes, well, you, there's yeah. a whole sensation of um, of very senses, touch, seeing, hearing, right? Well, hearing's still there, but it's more of the touch and the smell that, uh, that you're losing in that digital aspect. But I mean, the way that the digital world is going, I'm sure we'll have something that would provide that sense of smell and touch eventually just not in the next few years, right? But it it will come, just seeing how quickly people are really trying to get into this industry or or make things mimic the real life. Yeah, or VR, yeah, for sure, virtual reality experiences, especially for our folks with dementia where it's not necessarily safe, depending on what stage. Yeah, I mean, there's so many opportunities. I think probably what always resonates with me, like when I have students and things like that and, and in mentoring roles is just that we need all the ideas we need all the the passion and the smart thinking. We need it all for this sector. Like we need so much of it. There and is no bad idea. That is absolutely true. Yeah, no bad idea. There's enough of a population segment. There's enough of a market for everything to at least be tried and tested. And we certainly need more people in it. Like similar to um, what you were saying before, I think, And sorry if I'm getting this wrong, but a lot of my colleagues went into fields with children and that was very Mm -hmm. much what they were focused on. They were going to, from day one, I'm interested in kids and working with kids, supporting kids. Kids are lovely. Nothing against children. I love children too, but not as many people think that way about older adults. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a lot of kind of the stigma that we're still working on, even though you and I know that older folks are great. And Mm -hmm. I have many best friends that are older people, but you do too. Yeah. So no, it's very true. We don't think about them the same way that we would think about uh, children. And, and it's not to make them synonymous. It's just more to um, understand that they're a, a generation of people just like children and teenagers and adults and, and such like that. And they have needs and wants just like you and I. So, yeah. So it's a safe place to work in because there's so many. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's actually more fun than most people know. <laughs> yeah, like you can have literally any career you could have and then specialize in seniors, whatever it is. You could yeah. teach, you could do healthcare, you could do finance, you could do law, mm-hmm. you could do like any engineering, radiation sciences, mm-hmm. biology, chemistry, like pharmaceuticals, it's a whole other, tons of jobs there and age-related. Absolutely. Chronic issues, comorbidities, yeah. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, follow, subscribe, whatever your podcast player lets you do. And if you want to meet more fellow alumni, follow us on social media. There are links to all of our pages in this episode description. It's a great way to find more content, perks, and events for you Waterloo alumni around the world. 
You Waterloo Alumni Podcasts are produced and hosted by me, Meg Vanderwood. All episodes are edited by Aju Chow. Aju and I are both alumni and staff at the University of Waterloo.